Welcome to Two Guys in the Bible, a weekly conversation on theology, culture, and God's Word. My name is Eric Leupold, and with me, my co-host today, Dylan Keniston. Dylan, good to see you today. Good to How see you, you as well, brother. Yeah, doing, doing well, man. Yeah, doing great. A little windy, a little cold. A little windy, a little cold, yeah. And uh, might turn to ice. We, we just finished up the church service, and the, the whole like sanctuary was like, you could hear the wind. Like, yeah. It's not an old building. It's a nice building, but it's like, I don't know, you could like, hear it. Yeah, on the outside, it was pretty wild. What popped in my mind was uh, in Job, where the great wind struck the four corners yeah. of the house and it collapsed, and <laughs> everyone died except for the servant that reported it. And I was like, Lord, no, no, don't do that. No, no, Lord, no. Oh, you, it, it goes through your mind. It right? does. Like, you, know, <laughs> you know you're safe, but like it goes through your mind. Like, uh, yeah, Lord, please uh, hold off a little yeah, bit longer yet, on not this yet. one. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> so, so today uh, on the episode, we're continuing our series on idolatry. Uh, I think so far we've we've touched upon uh, uh, drug addiction, alcohol abuse, things like that, as well as um, uh, eating and drinking uh, uh, that uh, that realm. And so now uh, we want to talk about the topic of work and how in our culture today and in our lives work can become uh, an idol. Uh, so, I mean, I guess I'll just throw out the first of all, we have to ask the question and Dylan, maybe you can help me answer this, but like. Can work become an idol in our lives? I mean, really, do people really idolize work? Yeah, I mean, yes. Well, <laughs> uh, so, so we, we can take a step back, right? I think oh, yeah. um, work is good. Let's start there. That's, uh, that's a good point. Work is good. But let's talk about what, what work is. Right, so um, it, it's interesting that, first of all, God works, right? Oh, God yeah. works even now. Even now. He worked at creation he created the world in six days, and on the seventh day, he rested from his work, mm-hmm. right? And when, but but in one sense, though, even God taking a Sabbath rest on, on what was that, that Saturday, mm-hmm. Jesus makes the point uh, when he's arguing with some of the Pharisees, I think, he's right. like, you know, are your disciples working on the Sabbath? He's like, my heavenly father is working right and now. And I am working. And I am working right now. Like, he's he's making this point. That, so I think right off the bat, right, work is good. And it's it's pre-fall, right? So Adam mm. is given tasks even even before the fall. So, yeah. Um, there's, so you, yeah, go ahead. Well, no, I, I was just saying. So I think the first thing to say is that um, work is good, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I think we talked about uh, in one of our earlier episodes how, like, this this the concept of idolatry – does not mean that what it is that is made an idol of is a bad thing in itself. Like inherently evil. It's not like, inherently yeah. evil, right? Like, yeah. like it, food, like food, or, and yeah. yeah, exactly. Work, but when when we take these things and we absolutize them, or we mm-hmm. take these things and we we start to root a sense of a sense of identity into them, such that you know there's something deep down inside of us that's compromised if the thing were were removed. Um, you know, the question is at, at what at that point at which it, it kind of starts to exert a control over you, um, mm-hmm. or or makes demands of you. I think those were some of the qualifiers that you had mentioned. Yeah, about an idol. About I- yeah. an idol, exactly. So um, when that becomes true, then it becomes an idol. And with respect to work in our culture, yeah, I mean, you just, I was just talking about this with a friend the other day, where it's like he works in an industry where um, I mean, this guy this guy works in uh, pharmaceuticals. Oh, he wow. was he was telling me how. You know, it, it used to be the case, and I guess this is true across, you know, multiple industries, not just for pharmaceuticals. But he was saying, you know, w- when I was um, a young man, he was an older gentleman. You know, when I was a young man, we we punched out, we clocked out, right? It wasn't like 
you had your laptop, you took it home, you got your phone. It, hey, free phone. It's a company phone. You might get a, you know, a text or a call at yeah, like nine right. or 10 o'clock at night, but Hey, phone. like there was none of that. Like you just, it was shut off. Right. And you just got a chance to spend that time with the family. And now, um, that's of course not necessarily the case. Um, you know, it's the, the notion of work tends to get, um, it, it tends to, to come into uh, every many more spheres of of living and moving and having our being than it used to, and so I was actually talking about this the other day too with a friend, <clears throat> and I was saying you know most of the places where I've worked have talked about the task of their work and have framed it in term in language like like mission, like an he, identity. Well, no, 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 oh, not okay. an identity, but like mission, like. This is what you are here to do. Like it's it's everything, everything, every uh, employment or employer that 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 I've experienced or have talked to others, and it, this, I mean, this may not be the case for everybody. I don't want to yeah, generalize sure, too no, much. Of course. But it's like every little thing you do gets tied to some bigger mission of the company, and it's like that's what you are here for, employee. Mm. Like it's it's like the it's like your, your vision. Your, your, your vi- it's it's almost evangelistic like huh. it, or or missionary in the sense that your your life's your your life is bound up with the company and if it's not like if you if you don't buy you know hook line and sinker into it's no longer like you're it's not like you're, i'm completing a series of tasks right yeah. and i'm doing i'm i'm being paid for services rendered it's it's not that it's like you are we are asked i feel more often to buy into hmm. a vision and if you don't buy into that vision, you're not going to be a good employee and you won't be hired. Like if you don't believe deeply, if this is not your life's purpose, then mm. we don't want you, mm. right? Like there's there's a lot of that, at least in, in my experience. Again, I don't want to overgeneralize. That's, I, I think that's, I, I could be wrong. That feels new. Like it was not, you, you know, you would ask, um, I remember talking with my grandfather about mm-hmm. this at one point. And, you know, I was like, you know, grand, grandpa, you know, uh, do you find your work fulfilling? Yeah. You know, uh, do, do you enjoy your work? Do you like your work? One of the things he would say was, well, you know, uh, it puts food on the table. <laughs> it puts shoes on my kids' feet. Yeah. It pays for a roof over our head. I, I am so grateful for this job. Absolutely. Um, hmm. Nowadays, when you ask, like, hey, do you find your work fulfilling? It's like, well, you know, I don't really know if I'm doing what I like. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't really know if I'm like, you know, fully sold on the on the vision or on the on the mission. Yeah. Or, um, it's yeah, it it it's bound up with self actualization. Yeah. And I don't know if that's always been the case, but well, it, maybe no. I, I, again, I I could be overreaching, but, but no. I feel like it's bound up with self actualization more today than it used to be, and mm. that contributes or lends itself to the the notion of making an idol out of work um it, or at least it can you know when when we really you know i remember when i was um i was an elementary school teacher for a few years oh yeah yeah and public school right it, it was a public school yeah it was a public school and i remember um i remember hearing some uh, there was a pastor 
who made the point about uh, administrative roles, mm-hmm. right? So not about education or whatever, but just administration broadly. Secretary, whatever. Yeah, any kind of uh, role where you're a supervisor to a, to a party or you're responsible for something in a company. Mm-hmm. And he said, um, you know, a supervisory role or an administrative role will grow to fit whatever time you're willing to give it. So when you enter into such a role, it's important to have certain, you know, uh, work-life balance uh, parameters built in, mm. like when you go in or before you, you know, kind of dive head head first into it. Because if you are willing to give all your time to it, it will take it. And, and so he was making that point. And I, when I was, um, it was when I was an elementary school teacher, it very much felt like the same thing. You want to do your best for the kids. What does it mean to do your best for the kids? You could always be giving more. You could mm. always be, you know, spending more time preparing lessons or sharpening lessons. And it, it, for, for some, that's a very good thing. I mean, it could be a very enriching and fulfilling thing. But what's key is the blurring of a sense of balance that lends itself to a notion of idolatry, even of something that's good, i.e. teaching. Yeah, right? teaching the next generation. Teaching the next, next generation. I mean, being a teacher is a very, very noble uh, endeavor and, and yeah. occupation, a very noble endeavor and occupation. Um, but but it, it, it can be, and, and in some ways, the more noble the occupation, the more blurred these lines can get in our own minds. Like, hey, I'm doing a good thing. And I want to keep doing this good thing. And I want to give myself over to this good thing. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you start to hear these, these subtle hints of, of what could be, uh, you know, seeds of idolatry starting to creep in. You think like something like, instead of loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, you're almost loving your work right. and, and devoting your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength Yes. To this work, right? And and you think about like what what Paul says about um uh about marriage. It, in in one sense, seems analogous. Mm-hmm. Where he's saying, you know, when when I'm when I'm single, and I have time, right? That's part of what he's getting at with this notion of singleness. It's not really like the context is singleness, but his point is, look, I have all this time, mm-hmm. right? What now? Now, from a Christian perspective, to to what am I enabled to devote this time to? Right, having all this time enables me to devote it to missions work and, and evangelism yeah, and, right. and and time invested in in some kind of ministry um, and and gospel proclamation and that's that's good. But again, it's it's there's this there's this parallel to it. it's like well, it's almost like some of us who who and and I include myself in this number because mm-hmm. I, I I probably am at lean more towards being a workaholic than I ought. Um, but so I include myself in this number, but it's like, you know, if you, if you have this extra time, um, and you're not using it productively for some kind of, you know, uh, continuing generation of, of income or service to your employer, or you're not doing anything with it. It's not productive. It's not productive. And, and it, it can be. I don't know. You, 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 there can be a, a guilt that gets associated. Oh, with I see. It. I, I remember there's one employer who I know who says he's he's fond of saying, um, "If you fail at something, then you just you know, come on, get past it. You can do it. Suck it up. Move forward. Right? Yeah. Double down. Double down. If you succeed at something, 
well, you know, you're in just as poor of straits because it means you could have taken on more. Oh, so you just never winning. You never win. There's a no-win situation. <laughs> That's the idolatry of it, right? When you yeah. when you're enslaved to sin, it's law. Yeah, it, when you, when you when you have a a slave driver something something like that, like it, you can't win, right? That's right. Because if you don't succeed, you need to drive. You need to you need to push it harder. Yes. And if you do succeed, you could have done a little. You bit could more. have done more, right? Exactly. So you're never satisfied. The, the idol's never satisfied. Exactly. Exactly. And and I, now I I guess what I'm saying is. That mentality, and again, it's not, I don't want to overgeneralize to say that like this is true of, of every workplace or well, every no, employer. It's no, certainly not. No. But I see much of it. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that compromises in our own hearts and in our own minds. And it, it compromises uh, the, the importance of what, what had been understood to be something like a work-life balance. Do you think that... Uh... Some aspect of it involves your identity as a person. I mean, you kind of mentioned there's like as a faux evangelism. There's a, it's like a kind of like a false gospel or mission. Like you know, this person's trying to. It seems like yeah. they're trying to fill a void in their life, right? They they should be in service to the Lord, but now they're just going to serve something else, yeah. some mission field, quote unquote, right? But I wonder, like, identity. You know, do you how you you find fulfilling your work? Do you identify with it? And um, uh, I I don't want to disparage uh, anyone in the military. I am in the military myself, um, and in the in the Air Force, I have not really seen this. But certainly uh, in other branches, you know, they identity like I am a Marine, yeah, like, and always yeah. and forever more shall be yes uh, a Marine, which. I, you know, I think that I don't, like I said, I don't disparage mm-hmm. that. Um, but I wonder in other contexts, can that be pushed to the limit? Can yeah. that be a, a dangerous thing in the context of, of this idolatry? Well, even, in, even in like common conversation, right? What's yeah. one of the first and easiest things to ask, ask someone? What do you do? Yeah, but then, yeah. But then how does the person answer? Like, I am yeah. a... Yeah. The language is there, yeah. So-and-so. Like, right. I am a pilot, Right. 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 right, right. was a, I was I always heard the joke about pilots uh, in the military as far as like, you know, how do you know someone is a pilot? They'll tell you. Yeah. I'm a pilot. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So so I suppose there's some aspects of identity there. And if you I guess I don't know if you find your full and total identity in this thing that you're doing. Yeah. And not in Christ. That's where you start crossing that dangerous there, line. There's always right? going to be some of that, right? No, there is. Yeah, I mean, I like, am these things. I'm a father. Yeah, I'm a husband. Exactly, I am an officer. Exactly. I am a pilot. I'm, I am these things. That's true. You can't not say that. Exactly. But in comparison to who you are in Christ, where does that fit? Right. And I and I think uh, one one of many possible uh, tests for that, right, is to say if this thing were gone tomorrow, yeah, or if I lost this, uh, no, this, you know, this. Job or this position, I had to go find another role. Mm. Maybe the Lord had something different for me. Um, how would I take that, mm. right? So, like, if I if I say, okay, well, you know, praise God, and it means He's got something else for me. Great, wonderful, yeah. right? Then that's that's a. I think it it can be a sign of health, uh, in with, with respect to our attitudes towards the 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 you know the vocations we the have things of this world, like having a loose grip. Have a loose grip on your on yes on your. On your employment and and like your your vocation as such, yeah. have a loose grip on it. Yeah. You still again, 
work is good, right? Like, yeah. this is one of the things that... Um, I don't want to disparage work. Work is good. You don't want to. And and yeah. even even with respect to like how we think about retirement in in our culture is is probably a little bit awry, right? Because mm. retirement, I mean, I, I don't know that the if if one thinks of retirement as never working again and you know, I'm just gonna go play golf and play golf on and the beach, kick it on the beach yeah. for the rest of my days. The Bible doesn't have a category for that. Period. I think it's like I, I think it might have a category, but probably not. Yeah, a not good a good one. one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> not a God honoring one. Now, now, yeah. because we human beings are called to be productive. God is working even now, mm-hmm. um, and 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 moreover, we're told, you know, Colossians three twenty three, yeah. right? Like we are to work. We are to work as to the Lord. Two Thessalonians three ten. Those who will not work should not eat. Um, so there are biblical injunctions about working and the importance of work and the goodness of work, the God-glorifying nature of work. Um, But when it becomes this notion of, um, when it gets wrapped up in our identities or when the work, and this is what, I guess what I was getting at earlier Mm -hmm. is like too, too verbose, but when the work puffs itself up in grandeur, when, when the, it, it becomes a kind of uh, world-encompassing mission and vision that is more than just what the thing is. Yeah. It, it puffs itself up in grandeur. And that's not good either. Mm. Um, so, like, I see what you're saying. Everyone, like, people do what they do, and there is a dignity in the work itself. Yeah. And that is sufficient. We don't necessarily have to... Um, make it bigger than it is. We don't. Well, well yeah, like, exactly. Well, like if you make vacuum cleaners, like, and you add, like, it, I think this ties into advertising too, because like, yeah, that's the because point. Yes, that's the thing. The advertising is now saying like, this thing will make your life fulfilling. Right. Exactly. Now take that same point, like what advertisers do about their products and they build them up to be like all fulfilling in your life. Yeah. Take that same point and apply it to how companies want, tend to want to position their messaging to their employees, yeah. right? Where if you're on board, if you're an employee, I'll, I'll give you an example of this. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember when I was, when I was a kid, I took a role and, you know, selling a, a product. It was like kitchenware. And you sold Tupperware? No, kitchen, kitchenware. Oh, well, I heard yeah, Tupperware. Like utensils. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's just same kind of thing, right? Uh, again, all, all work is dignified, and people need kitchenware. I'm not, yeah, if you they, sell Tupperware, you I'm sell, sorry. I'm not Tupperware, trying to offend. Praise God. Praise God. We, we do we, use it. We, I do, use we it. use Tupperware. Like we Tupperware. use kitchenware. Yeah. In this case, it was knives. One, one of the things, though, that – so we had our supervisor who came in, and he was just – he told the story about these knives. He, <laughs> he told the story of this one – I'll never forget it – of this uh, mother who was a single mom – and she worked her fingers to the bone. She worked all day. She came home. She had a whole bunch, like four kids. And so this woman's life was just busy to the max, right? And she would try to make dinner and cut up the, the vegetables. And she just had the hardest time cutting up these vegetables. She could, I mean, it was just, it was all, it was increasing the stress, right? So along comes this salesman on, on, a, on a horse, a white horse, <laughs> to rescue this damsel in distress from dull knives and say, look, I am providing you these knives to make your life easier. 
Now, did it make her life easier? Yeah, it probably did. But what he's doing, you see, is he's crafting this grandiose a narrative, narrative, a grand narrative about about what and and basically saying to the employees. And he, he didn't use these words, but he's very close to it. If you don't buy selling the grandeur of that vision, we don't want you. We don't really need you, right? We want people who are hook, line, and sinker for our for for our good news. Right, it's our good news. The good news of this night. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, it's like, kind of it silly. It sounds silly, but like that's endemic. It's it's wild to me, and I just it, again, I'm I'm only thirty years old. It could be that you know that that that's not new, um, but you know, again, I go back to my grandfather when I would mm-hmm. ask him about his his work. It was like you know, absolutely, I'm grateful for my job. It it puts food on on my family's table, a roof over our head, and you know, shoes on our kids' feet versus now it's like you have to find some kind of self-actualization in it. Mm-hmm. Um, a deeper meaning. A deeper meaning in it. And that, I don't know, I could be wrong. It feels new. It feels... Or maybe a little more prevalent. It, it, may, it may be more prevalent. Yeah, that's a better way of putting it. Thank you. Yeah. That's no, a better way of putting I, it. I, and again, I don't really see this that much from the military's per- perspective. I mean, I, that's all I've known my entire career. Yeah. And for me, it's kind of easy, like... A lot of what I do at work, I can't bring home. Right. Whether it's secret or top secret or whatever, right? It just, it stays at work and I come home and there's no homework. There's no taking it home with you, right? So it's been kind of easy in that regard to, to disconnect, right. if you will. But at the same time, same time uh, uh, the military provides a, a camaraderie, a fellowship, um, a community that I think other, especially private businesses, don't have. You know, especially, and it seems like, and again, I, I don't really know, I just know from secondhand knowledge, yeah. that, that a, lot of, a lot of people are more prone to move jobs more right, often right. instead of staying in a job for 30 years. Yeah, that's true. Like, that's right, true right? Yeah, you know, and, and obviously the military has changed a little bit too. We, don't, we no longer do the 20-year pension right uh it's like more of a 401k program but well there, there's a lot to be said too for that like no, in, yeah. in how pensions have been going out the, that's right by the way yeah that, that's exactly right yeah, but it's another one for another day but a lot you know a lot of folks who are, who are in the military they they like that mm-hmm. that family yeah right and then when you leave the military you lose that right and that's what hurts the most you mm-hmm. lose the brotherhood yeah you lose the camaraderie and um and and, and so it's hard to replace that yeah. Right. And it's so. it's one thing to 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 feel that organically. I mean, like, not to not to say that this is this is probably not the best way to put it. Trauma <laughs> trauma is binding. Well, especially like in the, tr- in the in the trenches. Well, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like it like when you're when you're going through, and it doesn't have, just have to be the military. No, no, no. When when no. you're going through the frying pan yeah. with coworkers, like I I've I can tell you stories. I mean, on on my side, and certainly nothing like military, but. Man, we would be up until like three in the morning because we would do, you know, code pushes into production that were, you know, this is live. And the reason you would push it like, you know, eight, nine, ten o'clock at night is nobody's on. People aren't on as much. And you'd be up fixing stuff till like three in the morning. Right. And that's binding. Like, yeah, you go into work the next day and you're giving everybody a hug like we made it. We got through it. Right. Yeah. It's one thing to foster that organically. It's another thing to say, um, to, to, in one sense, kind of short-circuit that process 
where mm-hmm. uh, something that comes to mind is, you know, I, I know there, there are some employers, and this might be more prevalent on the West Coast than on the East Coast, but I know there are some employers who, um, you know, will have, um, you know, dorm rooms at the place of employment, a gym at the place of employment, a showers. Lot of gyms, yeah. A lot of them have gyms, showers, restaurants, restaurants cafeterias. I mean, that that did not used to be. And it's not that these are bad things, right? These are these are these are pitched as perks. And in one sense, they are like daycare, child care, right? Oh, of course. Like you have a daycare at your company. Yeah. And, and, and these are perks. I mean, these really do serve many. And they help. Many people very well. They yeah. do help. But what's interesting is, again, you you see these these things that like it's it's an example of work and the concept of work kind of growing to it's it's expanding the scope of its reach into one's life. It's like a false church, though. In one sense, in one sense a community of believers and and again of I, workers. I don't want see. I'm I don't want to say exactly no, that because it, yeah. it makes it sound like it's a bad thing. No, I, yeah, I know. But but it, too much of it can be a bad thing. And like, how much of that is is usurping the family? You know, you spend 10, 11, 12, 13 mm. hours at work, and your your coworkers become like family you know you're going through it with them you're spending all this time with them yeah. um so what's happening to their other family at, right exactly real family and and that's not as highly cherished these days so a lot of these streams right are kind of yeah. they flow yeah. into one another I yeah feel like. and one other i think stream that might flow into that as well is uh, escapism uh and what i mean by that is i don't again i don't know how prevalent this is although i've i've heard people in the military uh you know, tell me about this and, uh, over the years, but whereas they might struggle with wanting to come home, they would rather stay at work mm. longer to avoid dealing with the stress at, at home. home. Yeah. So, yeah. like, if the home is not a happy place, or they're they're on edge with the spouse, or the kids are, you know, whatever, they might just, you know, what I'll just hang out at work and just do stuff here because yeah. I don't want to go home. Right. And so it's a form of escapism. It can be, yeah. In that regard. And like, none of this is to say, and whether you might have to stay to late, though. Okay. You might have to stay late. Like, none of this is to say that work is bad. I can't say that enough. Right. Or, or that, you know, the perks I was just talking about. Like, if you work at a company that has, you know, childcare provided or it has ca- a cafeteria there um, or a gym, like, in the place of work, none of this is to say that that's necessarily bad. What it does mean, and with respect to escapism as well, what it does mean is that. Like, especially, not, I, don't, I don't know if I'm going to catch some flack for saying this. Uh, not from me. Especially <laughs> Christian men uh-huh. who need to, like, and I'm talking to myself here, who, like, need to lead our families well. Yeah. Need to be extra vigilant, very, very vigilant about having those kinds of barriers in place in our own hearts. Like, maybe barriers is the wrong word. Parameters, right? Fences mm-hmm. set in place in our own hearts about... This far shall work go and no further, right? Like, mm. so that it doesn't control your life. It doesn't become that idle. Yeah. Um, mm. So, anyway. No, I think that's, a, that's an important I'm, I have some of those perks. I'm grateful for those perks. If, if any of my coworkers or employers Your listen daycare. to this. Well, at, at, our, at a different uh, location we do. Mm. So it's like, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for some, uh, many of these perks. I don't want to come off as ungrateful for employers who provide these things out of their own pocket that they don't have to do. No, that's true. So, so you know, shout out to employers who do that. But now that's relatively, you know, that's new. Like I remember when I was a kid, I would drive. There was a steel factory where near where I lived. And I would drive past it with my dad. And I saw the craziest thing. It had a basketball court outside of it. Huh. 
I had never seen that before. I was like, Dad, what is that? And he's like, yeah, that's a company that treats their employees really well because they want them to, you know, they, they provide a, a basketball court for them to go and relieve some stress on. I mean, that's now taken to the max these days. That's true. You know, we got, you know, masseuses at some companies that are, they'll, they'll provide. So I'm not saying, <laughs> I'm not saying that that's bad or that we shouldn't be grateful for it. I'm saying that it creates risk that we need to be watchful of that mm. either we escape to work more often. Because reasons not to go home. Reasons not to go home or reasons to, to give more of ourselves or our lives or our attention or our affections or our whatever to work. Than, than would be wise and and you know and or loving for and, our and family. Obviously, yeah, of course, yeah. The priority there, and and I know you mentioned it before as far as uh, the importance of work. And uh, for those you know who I, I mean, I know we mentioned a couple passages, uh, Colossians, Second Thessalonians. You know, it's it's pretty clear the Bible uh, has good things to say about work. And obviously, we know Absolutely. that sin is affected. The entrance of sin into the world has made work toilsome, in the regard that it doesn't always uh, it doesn't always do or go the way we want. Right. And in fact, um, I you know it almost makes me wonder like the temptation to make work into an idol. It might have been uh, had you know had Adam and Eve continued in their uh, non non fallen state. I wonder if the temptation would have been there. Because they experienced work without toil. Right. So a work that would have been the epitome of fulfilling yeah. in a still still a godly yeah. way. Yeah. But, you know, with the fall, I think it's interesting that now that sin has affected work, we should be more uh, aware than ever of the um, of how it can never deliver mm-hmm. uh, full satisfaction. Yeah. Like, you know, if anyone should know... It should be us today mm-hmm. that if you make work into an idol, it will not deliver. Um, I, I want to read here um, from Ecclesiastes, you know, very positive and uplifting uh, Ecclesiastes <laughs> chapter, t- Amen. chapter Amen. two. Yeah. Uh, the soul so, needs it. The soul needs That's right. So verse 18 is what the, uh, the preacher is saying here. Uh, I hated all my toil in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool. Yet he will be a master of all for which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun. Because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow, and his work is a vexation. Even in the night, his heart does not rest. This also is vanity uh, there. So, uh, you know, obviously he's highlighting here the the fact that, yeah, sometimes it's it's disturbing. You know, the work that you do, it doesn't accomplish anything. Or even if you think you're striving and you're accomplishing it, if you stop and think for a minute, like, you know, it might all go to somebody else. Yeah. All that wealth that you do. So I guess what I want to bring out from that is, you know, if we make work or career or, or whatever job, profession, if that's our mission or identity or satisfaction, uh, it won't really satisfy. Right. Because in the end, when, when you're on your deathbed and 
when you look back on how you gave your time and your energy and your sweat, blood, and tears over to work, what will you have? You can't take it with you. Yeah. It's going to be left to somebody else. And the work will never say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. Like you mentioned, it'll always say, you could have done better, you could have done more. Mm-hmm. That's, you will never get the good and faithful servant well done, only from Christ, you know? Yeah. So I just think that, that, that struck me reading this passage and talking about this. And that's not to say that your employer won't give you, you know, pat on the back and, and you know, accolades no, or course. a raise or anything yeah. like that. That's not the point no, that we're making. No. But, but it is to say that, you know, all of the, at the end of the day, all of the toil that we put in, like, I just, to your point, like, I've never heard of someone be on their deathbed and say, gosh, I wish I had worked more. I wish I had worked more. I wish I had worked more. It's always what? Like, I wish I had spent more time with my kids. You know, I wish yeah. I had, you know... Uh, you know, done more for our for for the Lord or something yeah. like that. That's, yeah, that's it's usually that kind of thing. Yeah, and that's telling. Yeah, you're never right? gonna say I wish I had put more hours in. Right. I mean, really, right? I can't imagine that. But yet we do it for the right things, right? And I mean, we're like, tempted to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, I think this has been a good conversation on uh, on work. Uh, and uh, so, you know, uh, I think it's time. If you're ready, yeah. time for a proverb of the day, Dylan. Proverb of the day. I do have one lined up for you that uh, is, uh, I think, relevant to the topic at hand. So, uh, let's see. Kind of going along with the idea of wealth. It is uh, Proverbs 18.11. You ready? I'm ready. All right. It's uh, this. A rich man's wealth is his strong city and like a high wall in his imagination. Hmm. A rich man's wealth is his strong city and like a high wall in his imagination. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that one you just got to you just got to let it, you know. Let it sink in for a little bit for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> you just got to taste it, right? Yeah. Um so oh man. All right, a rich, rich man's wealth is his strong city. Um one of the things that strikes me about what when when Jesus is talking about treasure, right? And he's talking about wealth. And he's saying, you know, don't store up for yourself treasure on earth where yeah. Roth and must Roth Roth. Uh, Roth. <laughs> Are you Moth British? Are you British the Roth of God? The ro- yeah, exactly. The of- no. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> yeah, but but where moth and rust corrode, where thieves break in and seal. Build up for yourself instead treasures in heaven. Um, mm-hmm. so when we um when we pursue uh, earthly gain or earthly wealth such that it is our treasure, we tend to feel more secure. Mm-hmm. It's like we can kind of go to sleep at night a little bit more easily. Um, when, when we have it, people think that like if I have all this wealth, you know, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be okay. I'll be okay. I'll be happier or I'll be more secure or more stable. Um, you know, wait till the, wait till the market turns. Right. And then yeah. we'll see. Because yeah. because this is like a high you think this is some high wall of protection a high wall that that you know you're gonna be okay you know it, it it's some kind of a barrier to you but man if if even if even if the market if let's say the market takes a downturn you you know you think you're in fixed income or you think you're in bonds so you mm-hmm. think you're safe yeah well you know if the if the dollar is compromised then mm. what are you gonna do <laughs> right if the S and P five hundred absolutely tanks 
which you never know. So that's that's kind of the the, the point is like when we're talking about mm. wealth, right? Um, I've heard I've heard a couple of interesting definitions of wealth or ways of kind of describing it. But I think what we're getting at here is this is someone who has a lot of either money or equity that is ownership of, of property. And that is thought to be a protection. And the reality is it's not because they can't, you cannot take your wealth with you. Hmm. You cannot. Now, the Bible has all kinds of good things to say about the, the blessing that it is for someone to leave an inheritance to his family. Hmm. That's, a, that's a good and God-honoring thing. But the goodness of it and the God-honoringness of it is, is compromised if we try to find our security in it. Matter of fact, if we find our security in wealth, we're going to be less likely to you know, try to give that over to the next generation. That's true. You know what I mean? So it, hmm. a lot of that is just store up your treasure in heaven. Remember that at the end of the day, that's what matters. That's where, that's where it's at, right? Yeah. Christ is your treasure. He will be there. He's, he goes up to heaven. Think about that, right? He goes up to heaven to make a room in his father's mansion. Mm. I mean, this is God. Mm. God owns the universe. He owns everything. Nothing that we have is without his sanction. Nothing that we don't have is without his sanction. And that includes the safety, which is illusory anyway, that we think wealth builds for us. All of that is under God's sovereign sway. Mm. He goes down. Here's Jesus. Goes to heaven, sets a room in his father's house mm-hmm. for us. Yeah. We are set. You're in Christ. He's your inheritance. What more do you need? What what other security is there? Death, where is your sting? Yeah. That's what Paul's saying. That's what Jesus is saying, right? Yeah. So, yeah, this is, in, in one sense, I think that's where I would take this proverb. Is It really is, just, a rich man's wealth is a strong city and a high wall is in, in his imagination. It really is in his imagination. <laughs> imagination <laughs> so i think that's where i would go with i that. think it's well said man well said awesome well thank you for tackling uh that proverb and and again if, if you know to, uh, for those of you listening uh if you have any other qu- any questions about uh you know work hopefully we didn't uh, uh, you know offend anybody and uh, if you do have any hate mail just send it to dylan <laughs> it, send it my way that's it's fine okay. and we'll talk about it later but no if you actually have any questions uh please we we, we love theological cultural questions uh, please email us at uh, two guys in a Bible dot podcast at gmail dot com. That's the number two in front of that. And if you go to the, our website, two guys in a Bible dot org, there are links there to uh, ask, you know submit questions, get in contact with us, and we would be happy to uh, answer those questions. So uh, again, uh, thank you for for joining us, and and next time we'll continue our our series on idolatry. Uh, then, so please uh, join us again. Uh, next week and uh with that uh i think that's it so uh work uh, work as under the lord yeah so, even if even so, if you're selling tupperware praise yeah, god for that yeah so get, work is under yeah, the lord get back to work now yeah, exactly get, get back to work now <laughs> all work <laughs> it does serve a greater purpose it serves the glory of god that's so right. whatever you do there is dignity in that work yeah yeah praise the lord Amen. all right well take care until next time god bless god bless y'all